Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. This is Season 2 with a brand new series on the book of Daniel. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Ben, thank you so much. And worship team, thank you. Uh, just leading us in wonderful time of worship to engage with our God, to give him praise and thanks. And it, and it really actually falls quite in line with uh, what we're going to be talking about today in Daniel chapter 5, uh, emphasizing God's mercy to us. And it's something that what we're going to see uh, the opposite of, actually, in this chapter, but what it reminds us of is how patient and kind God is and how that leads us to repentance, and that's what we want to be about. So we are in Daniel chapter 5. We're moving right along in this series, and if you kind of think back to chapter 2, it seems like these, uh, these things have been building up to this point that we're going to see in chapter 5. So from chapter 2 through chapter 4, things are building. If you remember back in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of this statue, and it represented four different kingdoms. And of course, King Nebuchadnezzar, his kingdom was the head of this statue, and it was made out of gold. And then there's three other kingdoms. And these earthly kingdoms... Uh, are there, and all of a sudden the stone comes in, the stone hits the statue and demolishes the statue, which basically means what? <laughs> These kingdoms are coming down. They will not last. And the stone comes in, and then uh, when it demolishes the kingdoms, it, come, it builds into this giant mountain, which is representing God's kingdom. And so this is not a hopeful vision for Nebuchadnezzar to have. Right? This is not a, a good vision for him. Yes, the dream was revealing to him that his green kingdom was great. In fact, it was the greatest kingdom out of the four. However, it will not last. It's not the greatest kingdom. God's kingdom is the only eternal kingdom, and his is the greatest kingdom which will reign over all. And that's what we see in chapter 2, this vision, which is really important. Bookmark that. When you go to chapter 3, it looks as though Nebuchadnezzar wants to defy this outcome, right? This is not a good vision. He kind of wants to, to rebel against it, and so he creates his own image, a larger image. And of course, it's not the head that's made out of gold. The whole statue's made out of gold, basically representing I am the only kingdom. I am the greatest kingdom and the only kingdom. Try knocking this statue down. And of course, we know what takes place. There's three men who stand against him. They will not bow down to this image. They will not bow down to that kind of vision. And God protects them and delivers them. And, and it's interesting how Nebuchadnezzar changes through this situation because 
when, when they, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they defy Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar says to them, this is verse 15 in chapter 3, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who's the God who will deliver you out of my hands? You see, my will is what reigns. I'm the powerful one, and your life is mine. What God can deliver you? Well, after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk out of the fiery furnace, walking among the angel of God in the furnace, they walk out. This is what Nebuchadnezzar says. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, angel and has delivered his servants. Who can deliver? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God can deliver in this way. So we see this change. We see this understanding with Nebuchadnezzar where he understands now, wait a minute, there is a God who can deliver. It's not necessarily my will that is done. It's actually God's will that is done. So it may look as though when you read chapter 3 that Nebuchadnezzar has learned his lesson However, we got to move to chapter 4, and we see another vision. And at this time, uh, at this time, God made it a little bit more personal for Nebuchadnezzar. It was a vision that revealed Nebuchadnezzar was going to lose his kingdom for a time and then be restored. God made this happen so that Nebuchadnezzar would then be humbled and know that God is the one true God and king and that his dominion is over all creation. And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of chapter 4, and remember, Nebuchadnezzar writes chapter 4. This is his testimony of what God has done in his life, how he was humbled by God. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, this is Nebuchadnezzar's words. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? You cannot stay his hand, you cannot defy him, you cannot defy his will, and you cannot speak against him. This was Nebuchadnezzar's lesson that he learned. Now it looks as though he has learned his lesson and he humbles himself before the one true king, and we also know that God used faithful, faithful men like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to accomplish his purposes. And so this is the mantra, or this is the theme that we continually see throughout Daniel. And it's this, as kingdoms rise and fall, the call is to remain faithful to the king who rules them all. That is what we're seeing here. We see that with Daniel, and we see that with his friends. They are remaining faithful, and we're seeing this vision of these kingdoms rising and falling, but there's one who rules over all. Nebuchadnezzar gets it. At the end of chapter 4, he gets it. He acknowledges it. And that brings us to chapter 5. And so remember chapter 2? I mean, we had it bookmarked, right? Chapter 2 this vision of these kingdoms being demolished, this is where it all begins. This is where it all begins in chapter 5. 
So let me read this for us. Daniel chapter 5, and then we're going to pray. And if you have your Bibles, follow, follow along. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. And then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his color changed and his lords were perplexed. Then... The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king names Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, you are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, and the king my father brought, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, 
all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed, and whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up, and whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from his presence the hand was sent, and this, was, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that, has, that was inscribed. Mene, mene, tekel, parzin. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, and a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Say, let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is a lot here in this chapter. I just pray that we can work through it, Lord, and that it wouldn't be my words that are spoken, but it would be yours. So, Father, speak. Would we be convicted? Would we be challenged and encouraged and moved towards a greater knowledge, understanding of you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I broke this down into scenes. There are three scenes. Let's look at the first scene, and that is the writing is on the wall. Literally, the writing is on the wall. Again, King Nebuchadnezzar is not in the picture. He passed on from, you know, by now, and his son is king over this vast and powerful empire that his father has built for him. And he decides to have this giant party. And he invites the uh, thousands of his closest friends, right? Thousands of his closest friends are invited in. He's feeling pretty big. He's feeling pretty good. And he wants to show off a bit. He wants to show off his might and grandeur as king. And so he decides to get these vessels. What is up with these vessels? These vessels that his father 
took from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. So Belshazzar doesn't even take these vessels. They're in the temple already, in, in these gods, uh, these false gods in, in their temple, and so he takes them out. And this is very important because it's, it's how the reign of Babylon begins. All the way back in chapter 1, verse 2. Look at this. We see these vessels at the very beginning of Daniel. And the Lord, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into King Nebuchadnezzar's hands. Who gave it over to King Nebuchadnezzar? It was the Lord. And, how does the rest go? With some of the vessels of the house of God. This is not outside of God's hand. And he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And this is sad. This is sad. It's discouraging. It's embarrassing, especially to the Israelites, right? As they're being taken captive. It's like their God is in subject to these false gods as well. But here's the thing. This, this embarrassment is only for a time. It's only for a time. Remember that God numbers, numbered the days of Babylon and its reign. And now from one act of disrespect from Belshazzar, the Lord will bring justice. This is what we see in this chapter. The Lord's going to bring justice in one simple act. Belshazzar mocked the God of heaven. It communicated that these false gods created by human hands were superior to God, the creator. And God says, this is enough. Enough is enough. This is when he decides to show King Belshazzar who is the one true God who reigns over all. This is the moment right here. And so we see Belshazzar and his friends, they have the, the cups and the vessels, and they have poor wine, and they drink, and they kind of give cheers to their gods. Daniel chapter 5, verse 5 says this, though. Immediately, immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand, and the king saw the hand as it wrote. Could you imagine this? Here you are having a good time, Right? and you're feeling good about yourself, and everybody's like, look how great you are, and you're, cheers, and all of a sudden this hand appears, boom, out of nowhere and starts scrolling on the wall. Let me ask you, how would you respond to that? Would you be like, yo, check it out, woo! How does Belshazzar respond to that? Verse 6, then the king's color changed. His very complexion changed. Physically, when you saw him, you see this change. The color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The, the king of Babylon was so afraid at this sight that his strength left, left him and he basically collapsed on the floor. I mean, could you imagine this? He's probably standing up, cheers, and making this pronouncement. Boom, he sees this, and he's like, 
Whoa. Right? And here's what I find a bit humorous about it, all of this. Belshazzar had no idea what was written on the wall. The message was written in Aramaic, and none of the enchanters, astrologers could understand it. So it's not just that he sees the message and reads the message and collapses. Just by the sheer visual of this hand writing on the wall struck the fear of God into him. He doesn't even know what it says. And of course, this is when enters the queen. And I love this part too. Because everybody's freaking out, right? Everybody's there having a good time. They see the hand. They start freaking out. The king, the most powerful guy in all of Babylon, is freaking out. In comes the queen. What's going on? Guys, calm down. Tell me what happened. Let's, let's work through this. The queen enters the room, sees everyone all frantic, and it seems as though the queen is the only level-headed one in the room. She calms the king down, tells him, hey, listen, calm down. Get, get your head straight. There's a man that can help us. It's this man named Daniel. There's this man in your kingdom. And look at how she describes Daniel. I think this is wonderful, how she describes Daniel. It's, it's wonderful. It's, also, it's, it's kind of interesting more so how he describes Daniel. But this man in your kingdom is in whom is the spirit of the gods. He has the spirit of the gods. Light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. Light, understanding, wisdom. He's chief of the magicians. He's the top dog of the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and astrologers. Why? Why is he the chief? Because he has an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. You see, Daniel's reputation preceded him. If you look all the way back from chapter 1, make your way all the way through chapter 4, you see the character and qualities of Daniel. How Daniel remain faithful to his God. And through that was a light to the captives, the, the, the captors around him, those who captured him. He was a light to those who exiled him. So Daniel's reputation preceded him. He was honored among his captors because of his wisdom and his character. Wisdom and character. When you, when, when you see this description of Daniel, that's what it comes down to. He's wise and he's got godly character. So we see this lived out in Daniel's life, and I think this is a great example for us. And the question is this. If we want to be like Daniel, what do we need to do to follow in his footsteps and it's to pursue wisdom and godly character. This is kind of the guy that I would like to be someday. <laughs> and to pursue wisdom and godly character, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, you know what? We just went through a book on wisdom. 
a book on wisdom of, of the way to walk and the way to what to avoid. You know what? That is a good place to start. So we walked and, and looked in the Proverbs. I would say continue to look in the Proverbs and see what godly character looks like, what wisdom looks like, and begin to pursue it. Also, when it comes to character, how do we move towards godly character? What does godly character even look like? You know, I think, I think Daniel gives us an example of that in this chapter as well. So look at verse 16. Belshazzar gives uh, Daniel some incentive to interpret this dream. He says, if you, can, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, why clothed in purple? Well, because purple was um, rare, it was expensive, and so if you um, wore purple, you know, you were, you were the, the thing, right? It, it, it meant that you had great means and well-connected, and so gold and, and uh, finely dressed, and also to become the third ruler of all of Babylon. Wow. Look how Daniel responds. Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Daniel does not want any part of those things. He was not concerned about possessions or gaining more power. Here's what Daniel was about. And we see this throughout the book of Daniel. Daniel was about remaining faithful to the one true king. That's what he was all about. Remain faithful to the one true king. Why? Because Daniel knew these kings and these kingdoms, they come and they go. But there's one king that will not, will remain forever. So I'm going to remain faithful to him. And that's, that is a, a picture of humility. So when it comes to godly character, what does godly character look like? Remaining faithful to God and humbling yourself. Those things go hand in hand because the only way to be faithful to the Lord is to, to be humble, right? Not my will, but your will. And to follow his will. And so here's the question for us today. How has God called us to remain faithful to him and to move towards humility and humbleness? And, and, and this, here's the thing. Think about your life. Think about your interactions. Think about your interactions with family, friends, employers, employees. When, when you're driving down the road, when you go into the supermarket, where is God calling you to be faithful to him? And where are areas in your life that God's calling you to be humble? So that's scene one. Let's look at scene two. This is titled, A Lesson Ignored. A Lesson Ignored. So Daniel comes in, and before he gives the king the interpretation, 
Okay, so he's going to interpret the message, but before he does, Daniel kind of sits Belshazzar down and uh, gives him a little lesson. And he does this by reminding the king how God dealt with his father. So he goes back to the story we find in chapter 4, where Nebuchadnezzar gives testimony of God humbling him. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar was on his roof, and he was looking out at his vast kingdom, and he was relishing in his own power. And as he's uh, speaking this, how great he is and all that he has... At that moment, a voice came from heaven and rebuked him, and Daniel reminds Belshazzar of this. And this is what he says. This is Daniel 5, verses 21 through 23, talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys, and he was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until... Until when? Until when? That the Most High God rules the kingdom. Until he knew. Until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he wills. And so it looks as though after this, when, when this takes place, right, Nebuchadnezzar, um, you know, is like an animal, eating grass like an animal, and all of a sudden the reason comes back to him, and what does he do? He acknowledges it. God is the most high God. His dominion's forever. And we know that Nebuchadnezzar learns this lesson. And after Daniel tells this story about his father, he addresses Belshazzar. And this is verses 22 and 23. Listen to this closely. Okay? So he tells this story to Belshazzar. And after he tells this story of what God did to his father, he says this, And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. Think about that for a minute. You have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. Friends, this is a major indictment to the king. Apparently, the pride of the father did not fall too far from the son, right? Or the son didn't fall too far, however that goes. Basically, the son inherited the same issue that his father had, and that was pride. It was pride that caused Belshazzar to ignore the testimony of his father, and that's exactly what that is. So, Think about this for a minute. When it comes to a king, um, we saw in Proverbs, who wrote Proverbs? Or most of them. It was King Solomon, right? Who did he address it to? His son. Basically saying, hey, this is the lessons. These are the lessons that I've learned. Son, don't make this mistake. I've made many of these mistakes. I don't want you to make these mistakes. Listen to my words. Follow wisdom. Here it goes, boom. Solomon gives wisdom to his son. May his son hear it and follow it, right? What's going on here? Chapter four, who wrote chapter four? King Nebuchadnezzar. This is his testimony. Son, here's the lesson I learned. Let me write it out for you. There's only one true God. He reigns over all. 
I was proud and in, in, a, in a terrible way and in an afflictive way, he humbled me. His son knew this story and ignored it. A lesson ignored was a lesson ignored. So here's the question for us. What are the lessons we need to learn? What are the lessons we need to remember? And it can come from history, right? If we don't learn history, it often repeats itself. We're doomed to follow it. So it can come from history. It can come from our parents, those who are wise and older than us. And it can come from the Word of God. Instruction and wisdom. There's all sorts, all kinds, all aspects of our lives. What's the lesson that we need to remember and not ignore? Here's something that, and, and I think this is dangerous, and this is what Belshazzar fell into, and friends, we can easily fall into it as well. When it comes to pride and wanting to make much of ourselves, we can fall into this trap. And Romans chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 kind of talk about this. Let me read this to you. Do not presume on the riches of his kindness. That's God's kindness, right? Do not presume on the richness of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is what? Is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Let's apply this to Belshazzar. Belshazzar was being a bit presumptuous, wasn't he? Ignoring the testimony of his father and saying, you know what? Life, this world is about me, about the power I have and the might that I have. Look at me. Look at me. And what comes? What comes to Belshazzar? This, comes, this brings us to verse, uh, scene three. Scene three, the verdict and execution of justice. Just like Romans chapter two, verse four and five are talking about. This is what takes place with Belshazzar. Daniel reads on the wall and tells Belshazzar the interpretation. And, and it's mene, mene, tekel, parsin, which basically means this. This is in uh, verse 26 through 28. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And verse 28, Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. All right, so let me break this down. You can get up there, uh, Liz, for a little bit. Uh, verse 20, Verse 26 and 28. If you look at those, it's basically the judgment, right? Uh, your kingdom is limited, it's numbered, and it's to an end. And if you continue on in that judgment, I'm actually going to give it to the Persians and the Medes, right? That's the judgment. That's going to be what's executed. 
What's in the middle? It's kind of like an Oreo, right? What's in the middle? And I find this, uh, I, think, I think this is really important. What's in the middle is really important here. Let me find it. Ah, okay. Verse 27. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Did you hear that? You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. God is telling Belshazzar that he has fallen short. He has not lived up to God's standards. Instead of humbling himself and making much of God like we saw his father do, Belshazzar decided to reveal his own glory by drinking from these sacred vessels that came from the temple of God. He has been weighed in the balances. He's been measured and found wanting. And here's the point. Friends, we're being measured. We too measure. Let me step on your toes and I'm being measured. We're all being measured. Friends, we fall short. We're being and found wanting. 23 says this way, for there is no for all and what? Glory to God. We have all fallen short. And what's the judgment? What's the outcome of that? Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Listen, Belshazzar What's taking place in Belshazzar is not unique to him. He's just a mirror for us to look in. You see, we can't forget that God is the God of justice. And what is out of balance, God will bring back into balance. That God is a God of justice. What is out of balance, is going to bring back eventually into balance. And if we're found wanting, we should be concerned. You see, for you and I, and for Belshazzar, for all of us, our sin must be paid in full. And the question is, is this then, who's going to pay it? Who's going to pay it? And this is why Jesus came. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. I want you guys to hear this. Who's going to pay and make the balance equal again? For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die or dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God 
by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Who pays for our sin? Friends, this is the call for us this morning. To put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because we fall short. We cannot pay in full what is required of us. Only Christ on the cross can do that. We are called to put our trust in him and in his grace for what he has done for us. Amen? Brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Through this chapter and through the book of Daniel, I want to point out three characters to us. This is how I want to close. Three characters. The first one's Belshazzar. uh, How about we we do it this way? The first one is Daniel. Let's look at Daniel first. Look at Daniel and how he has remained faithful to God. He has pursued wisdom. He has pursued godly character and he is a light to everyone that's around him. And the question is, is can we identify with that? <laughs> is that who you identify with? And if you do, or if you want to pursue that, that's the call then, right? To pursue wisdom and godliness. The next guy, Nebuchadnezzar. To be honest, this is probably who I identify with most, I think. Nebuchadnezzar, who's proud, who thinks much of himself, and, and all of a sudden the lesson comes, right? Through some event, God reveals himself, the lesson comes, and he acknowledges it, and then falls back into pride and arrogance. God comes back to him, reveals himself again, humbles him. He points back to God. Yes, God, you are the God who can reveal and all these things. And then he falls back into pride and arrogance again. But here's the wonderful thing. There is that one point, right, where God strikes him in a way that it opens up Nebuchadnezzar's eyes. And finally, he says, you are the God. He submits himself and he humbles himself. I think, I think a lot of us can identify with that. We're, we can be very stubborn. And we walk and then we start making much of ourselves and there's times when God wakes us up. Thank God for his patience for stubborn people like us. My encouragement to you is when you find yourself raising yourself up too much or when God brings you low to cling to Jesus Christ, to humble yourself and cling to him, confess sins, and get back up and follow him. The last one is King Belshazzar. King Belshazzar, he didn't have a second chance. He disrespected God. He ignored God. He ignored wisdom from his father. He turned away and basically not rejected God, but disrespected him tremendously. And God did not give him a second chance. Boom. Right then and there, judgment came and his life ended. Friends, let us not presume the kindness and patience of God. If you have not put your faith 
in Jesus Christ today. Now's the time. Now's the time. If you confess your sin and believe in Jesus Christ, he, will, he is faithful. He will forgive you of your sin. And you will have eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you the lessons that we learn in this chapter, the dangers when we presume your kindness and mercy and patience. Lord, we definitely want to avoid that. A lot of times our pride can get in the way, stubborn, and we, we don't want to humble ourselves, Lord. Through the Spirit, Lord, would you break our pride? Would you humble us? Not that we feel guilty and shame and wallow in self-pity, Lord, that we would cling to the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we live that out this week. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.